This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello, and welcome to Awesome Etiquette, where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your etiquette questions on second wedding receptions, soap being swiped from the ladies' restroom, offering guests your master bedroom, Attending only one of two baby showers, and how much responsibility is on a host to manage grand transportation for their guests? Plus your most excellent feedback, two etiquette salutes, and a postscript segment on hugging. Coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Pooja Gupta Senning. You are here. <laughs> I am indeed. I was so jealous when Dan got to do your first like oh, don't be jealous. On the show. Don't be jealous. I'm he here was, now with you. First of all, he loved doing the show with you. Our audience loved hearing from you. I actually got some feedback I wanted to share. No. Yes, Amber Lee wrote in and said. I just wanted to let you know how much I enjoyed your last episode and hearing from Pooja. I would love to hear from her more on the show in the future. Thanks for the awesome podcast, Amberly. Well, Amberly, thank you so much for making that shout out to me. That definitely makes my day. <laughs> and I hope that me being on today makes your day too. <laughs> I'm so thrilled to have you here. Dan was really excited for us to get to do this together, and yeah. I am too. So thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the show. Oh, well, I love doing it. So <laughs> It's kind of a crazy time right now. Dan's off in Seattle. Mm-hmm. I just got back from Portland, which was kind of just like a crazy fun trip. But It really, really reminded me of, well, it reminded me of Emily doing her cross-country drive where she really learned just how different the different regions in America are. And I felt like going all the way out to Portland, Oregon, I was definitely in a different zone. There was a different culture there. And the expectations around boundaries and what you say and how you maneuver socially, they were just slightly different. I mean, not like, anything you couldn't deal with or like figure out but it was just different it got me thinking you you grew up not in vermont yep were there differences that you noticed between albany and vermont the the biggest differences that i actually noticed between coming to vermont and being in albany are are really kind of my subgroups um individual etiquette or culture and so indian americans around my area that is the group that i really kind of associate from and know the culture and etiquette best and little things like offering a a meal or offering chai or tea or snacks maybe a couple times mm-hmm. and then the person kind of refusing 
and then you offer again and then they refuse <laughs> and then maybe you offer again and then maybe they take you up on it. <laughs> that dance is very much so part of so many Indian interactions. Like as the host, are you just kind of always expected to continually offer? And as the guest, is there any point where it's like rude if you haven't taken the host up on it? Like, I, I don't think so. No, I think okay. you can refuse, but it, it's just kind of the the norm for the host to offer a couple times. Okay. If it. there is any hesitation for the guest, if they're like, oh, you know, I don't want to be a pig eating your food, or if there's any kind of nervousness or anything that they would kind of defer and say no, you really want to move through that like as the host. Encourage them to yes. take you up on I the I genuinely offer. want you to have these cashews. They go really well with the biscuits and the tea. <laughs> And they're like, oh, you know what? Actually, that kind of would be nice. I, I will take a cashew with my biscuit and my tea. And, and everyone's happy then. So so it. little things like that. Another one that I thought about was um, when I would drop a friend off um, from my Indian community, say in the car, I drop her off at her home. I'll wait until, in the car until she actually goes inside. Oh, that's like a good safety thing. It's a total good board. safety thing. But I just really notice it from my community. And that is interesting to notice that it's a good safety thing because I've noticed growing up and being in different groups of people that it that isn't always the norm. That doesn't always happen. Yeah. I don't always think about that too often, but I remember I went with the family that I babysit for to a 4th of July party one year and we were dropping off one of their neighbors and the dad actually took it as a moment to teach the kids about exactly that safety slash etiquette point is you wait till the person is inside, you see their house lights go on, like something that lets you know they're home safe and sound exactly, so that they aren't just on that doorstep and Oops, they forgot their key and exactly. you've just driven off or oh, something isn't as safe as you'd like it to be. It, right. it, it was such a good reminder for me. And it was fun to see a dad teaching his kids that and to see that it's something that you really noticed as like, a, no, this is a thing where I come from. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I love it. I awesome. love it. I love talking regional etiquette because I find it to be so fascinating that, you know, here we are, we're all Americans, and yet there's so much variation in our cultures, whether it's a variation from region to region, town to town, city to city, even family to family in the same town. So true. There's so much to be aware of and to to think of it all from a perspective of, We're all just trying to get along. We're all just trying to be nice to each other. And there are different ways that we show that to one another. Definitely. I think about it in terms of the language that people speak and getting to know their language. How? What is it that they're saying? What is it they're not saying? Why are they saying that? What do they actually mean? And what would that mean translated into my language? Oh, they're actually meaning this. Okay. (laughs) I love it. I love it. This is why I was so excited to have you on. (laughs) With that, should we get to some really good questions? Let's do it. Okay, good. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. And if you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com, leave us a voicemail, or shoot us a text message to 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also hit us up on social media with either Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette so we know you want your question on the show. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. 
Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. So our first question is belated reception worries. Good evening, Lizzie and Dan and Pooja. (laughs) I found your podcast a couple of years ago on a whim and have never looked back. Your bright, positive attitudes are such a boost to my day. Well, thank you. I'll be getting married next April and had a question regarding guest lists. Our venue is rather small, and as a result, our guest list will be truncated a bit. Deciding who to invite and who to cut is a big stressor, as I'm sure Dan might recall. My mom recently came up with the idea of having a post-wedding celebration for those family members and friends we may not be able to invite due to venue constraints. This would take so much stress out of firming up my guest list. My only concern is that I worry it might make some people feel less valued or less important. What's the etiquette take on this? I love the idea of being able to celebrate with the people I care about that I can't otherwise invite to my wedding. I just don't want it to seem like a second string party. Thanks for a lovely show, Nervous Nelly. Nervous Nelly. This is such a tough one. This is a tough one. You guys had trouble with this, trying to figure out who to invite, who Mm -hmm. to add plus ones to, Mm -hmm. who to just say, you know what, this is how we got to do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) From an etiquette standpoint, Mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about this at all. The belated reception does not count as a second-rate invitation. It is a wonderful, generous thoughtful thing for you to do as a host and as the couple getting married and wanting to celebrate with as many people as you can, but in the ways that work based on how your wedding planning is going. And it's your day. This is your marriage, and you are kicking it off the way you would like to. And I want to give you, Nervous Nelly, all the confidence in the world to make your guest list for the the main wedding day uh, ceremony and reception 
however you need that guest list to be. For some folks, that's going to be family members are sometimes distant and yet far more important to invite to this event as opposed to a belated reception. Sometimes you do cut out friends. Sometimes it's cousins. I remember as a cousin, that was the dividing line Mm -hmm. for one of my cousin's weddings. He invited all of the upper generation, my mom and and his aunts and uncles and everybody, but he didn't invite the cousins. And we were all told that ahead of time. And we really understood why this was happening. Mm -hmm. But however you decide to make your dividing lines, make them clear and stick to them. For instance, if you have no kids at your wedding, you don't want to then have six kids at your wedding who you permitted to come when all the rest of the kids were told they couldn't. It's kind of like that feeling. It's absolutely fine to include whomever you'd like in the belated reception. It's fine for you to do a reading of your vows in the belated reception. Um, I think a good idea. Right? And I think that if your attitude, correct me if I'm wrong, but Pooch, Mm -hmm. if you received an invitation that was like, hey, you know, we got married on this date and we're looking to do a, a belated or second reception on this state and we do have wording for this in our books <laughs> but th- i i don't know about you i wouldn't feel like oh thanks for inviting me to the second party like, you know i think people really understand yeah weddings are expensive and they're so personal and it takes so much planning and intentionality to do them so being invited in and of itself is is just a real kind of honor i think and and being a good guest that's part of being a good guest is just appreciating the invite and and respecting the host yeah and this party isn't a second rate party like, no, it's going to be a party. Yeah, this is going to be fun. <laughs> well, that's another thing. If your attitude as the host is really upbeat and encouraging and welcoming, I feel like that's going to say a lot towards towards the experience. How did you guys handle this? Well, initially we had thought, let's just skip the whole debate and conversation about who to invite and who not to. And we'll just have a really small ceremony with our nuclear families mm-hmm. in our backyard. And then once we started to think about all the people that would be missing out, we said, no, we've got to. Yes, like you. Exactly. <laughs> we've got to have a big party. It. Yeah. So then we we expanded it and we did nuclear families, extended families. We did friends. And, and that was our guest list. It, yeah. it just quickly filled up. Did you guys do a party afterwards or did you get together? Because like you, you all have friends. Like Dan had a lot of friends from California who couldn't make it. Yeah. Like was there any – like celebration later or did you just kind of move on at that point? No, we just we just did the big event and yeah. then we're happy to say, you know, <laughs> we'll see you guys in the future, those of you who couldn't make it, but we're yeah. done planning. <laughs> we're married now. We're happy. <laughs> this is it. We're out. Yeah, exactly. I love it. I love it. Nervous Nelly, we hope that gives you some confidence as you move forward with planning your second reception party. The next question is titled Signs Up. Dear Lizzie and Dan, I love your podcast. You accompany me on many fitness walks at the end of my hectic days. I love your advice, but I also appreciate the upbeat nature of your show. I've toyed with writing him before, but have always talked myself out of it. Oh, please don't talk yourself out. We love all questions. (laughs) I can't do it this time. I need your help. I work for a department of the federal government in a government-owned building. As a result of it being a government property, building management is not concerned with us having nice soap in the ladies' restroom. 
There is soap in there, but it is not good quality, and I suspect it is also used to clean the hull of the space station. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Well, at least you're getting clean. My female colleagues and I trade off on bringing in nicer quality soaps for the ladies' restroom. I used to splurge and bring in nice ones until they started disappearing. Someone was taking them, so I then switched to fun fragrances but less expensive brand names that I could get at the local drugstore or supermarket. A sweet coworker recently began bringing in the nice, nice stuff again. She even brings in a lotion to match the soaps. I know this is a lot of soap detail, but based on some of your advertisers, she's thinking of Cedar Ridge soap. Yep, which is great soap. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know you both appreciate nice soaps. Uh-huh. I know Pooja does too. I do. Today, the lovely lemon hand soap and matching lotion were there when I arrived at work, but gone when I went in a few minutes ago. As much as I would like to put a sign up about the missing soap, I feel this is probably not the right thing to do etiquette-wise. Am I correct? I'm thinking of the three tenets of good etiquette, but maybe I would be abiding by those in the best way by keeping quiet. Thank you for your podcast. You have made me a better person. Oh, goodness. Soapless in Georgia. Oh, my goodness. Also, I just I just do have to say this was not put on by Cedar Ridge Soaps. No. Um, no, no, no. This came in totally separate. <laughs> I'm surprised by the advice I'm leaning towards in the end. Pooj, what do you what do you think? Well, I think this is kind of a little bit of a conundrum. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> and I can understand you're excited about the good soap. You put it in the bathroom. You look forward to using the good soap. Your hands smell good. The whole bathroom experience is now kind of fun. And then you go and it's been taken. How disappointing. (laughs) It's gone. Yeah. (laughs) Things we could do, right? Mm -hmm. Things we could do. I'm curious if there's an appropriate person. Like, you know, our Mm -hmm. advice is always like go to someone who's in a power of authority. And my vote would be to seek out the person who does the ordering for the bathroom. Mm -hmm. Or is there some kind of management on the floor about the facilities or We don't know whether this is a whole building, whether this is servicing just a floor, just a department, just a particular small office. We don't know how many people are involved in passing through this particular restroom. So it's hard to tell exactly why the soap disappears. Like, I have a thought in my head that that maybe someone like the person who brings it in, do they take it away, too, at the end of the day? Like, maybe that the person who left the lemon soap, like, you know, interesting. I don't know. I hadn't thought of that when we did our show notes together or whatever for the day. Yeah, like they bring it in for the day and then they take it away before the end of the day. So no one walks off with it. I don't know. Like, there's some funkiness going on here. Uh, That's funny. And it just it so depends for and I don't know for a government building who's in charge of stocking this bathroom. Sure. But finding that person and talking to them might be a way to at least get the um, space shuttle hole cleaner level soap out right. and some more basic soap in. That's yeah. one option. What's yeah. another? You know, you could, if there was a staff meeting, Oh yeah. mention it to the folks that you work with Yeah, yeah. in just a really informal way. Like, <laughs> not, who's been stealing my soap? Who's been stealing my soap? That sucks. No, 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 no. But just... <laughs> lighthearted and and mentioned to them that you brought in some nice soap and you're hoping that it stays around. You've noticed that it's been taken and, you know, you obviously 
don't really care that it's been taken too much and you're not going to point any fingers, but it would be great for your bathroom experience to include the lemon-scented soap. So if people would just let it be there, that would be awesome. I liked I liked the simplicity that you started with of just saying, you know, um, I'm not sure if any of, of the ladies or the folks who use the ladies' room know, but we've been supplying it with some nicer hand soaps as an option for folks. We'd, we'd love it if they stayed in the bathroom. Because then you're not like, you're not even really mentioning that they've been lifted uh-huh. or that they've been disappearing, but you are saying, you know, we'd, we'd like them to stay put here. Yeah, that's, that's our all you really know. It's our goal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I like that. I think that this is the kind of stuff you could bring up in a staff meeting. I would talk with the staff, whoever is organizing the staff meeting beforehand to say, I'd love to put up a you know, just a quick mention about the ladies' restroom and at the at tail end of the meeting or some, or maybe at the start of the meeting, wherever's most appropriate. And right. then whoever's leading that meeting can, can insert it and let us know that this is going to be talked about. It is funny, but like you spend like eight to 10 hours a day with the folks you work with. And mm-hmm. it's funny how these little things come up. These are the things that get in the way of our work more than, you know, actually like a file not getting printed properly or something. Yeah. <laughs> and navigating these little scenarios really makes a big change in in how your office mates perceive you. If you can do this with kindness and with some grace, not take it personally, not get too upset. Because, I mean, the reality is it's soap. It's really not that big a deal. (laughs) So as long as you kind of take it in stride and just kind of mention it. And, you know, worst case scenario, the soap keeps on getting lifted. Who knows who it is? It's maybe the guest person who comes in, whatever. You know, don't take it to mean that someone's really stealing your soap intentionally. Don't be right. hurt by it. Let it go. And worst case scenario, you bring your own soap into the bathroom. Well, that was if you the, really want to. I was going to say that was one mm-hmm. of the other suggestions you and I came up with was personal soap. That yep. it might be time to just kind of have your own personal soap on you that if you don't like what's being provided by the department, you can bring it with you when you use the restroom, wash your hands with it, you know, bring it back, keep it in your desk drawer. That type of thing is another option. I think that you know, you could also, I think you could also make a note. A little sign. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking the sign could read something like, soaps are kindly purchased by employees for a better bathroom experience. Please leave soaps in the restroom for all to enjoy. Happy hand washing. <laughs> like, I love that tone. It's geeky, but it's cute, right? Exactly. And like something like that is so different from the really passive aggressive notes that start to get at like quasi-shaming people through them, you know, like that start to list out all the reasons why taking the soap would be horrible, you right, know? Right. Like... <laughs> Again, it's it's a it's a good thing to talk about in these little little issues if if dealt with with some grace and with some ease go a far way in the workplace. I think so too. So, Soapless in Georgia, thank you so much for writing in. We think that you are well equipped to go forward and discuss, if you will, at a staff meeting, to bring in your own soap if you'd like, and you could even write a little note. Good luck. Because for one thing, dirty hands don't look very good. Clean hands look much better. Water alone won't get your skin very clean either. What about soap and water? This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. 
Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Our next question is titled Goldie Guest and the Two Beds. Good afternoon, Lizzie and Dan. I am a huge fan of your podcast and reference it with many coworkers and friends often. A big thank you to you. And a big thank you to you, too. Thank you for spreading the word about the show. Yes, indeed. My question is this. I currently live about an eight-hour drive away from my parents. My husband and I recently scheduled a four-day weekend away for the first time in years. Good for you. My parents have graciously agreed to take vacation days to come and watch the children and take them to school, etc., while we are gone. Normally, when my parents stay with us, they stay in our guest room on a full-size bed. They've never complained about the size of the guest room bed. However, I do know they have a California king bed at home. My father is very tall. However, this is the first time they will be staying at our house while my husband and I will be gone for those four days. Our question is this. Should we offer them to use our master bedroom and king-size bed during that time we are gone. On one hand, part of me feels like this would be weird and odd to give them that option, and it might be strange for them to be in our bed. I guess we could hide the personal items in the nightstand, etc. It might also be weird when we come home to move them out of the master bed and change the sheets when we return and they continue to stay for the following night after we return. Yet, on the other hand, part of me thinks they are staying with our children for four days, so we should make them as comfortable as possible. My husband and I keep on going back and forth on this one. What is the best etiquette for this situation? Grateful daughter. Oh, I like that title. Grateful daughter. Grateful daughter. Totally understandable for this to be something that's bouncing back and forth. That Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, I decide on something and now I'm not as comfortable with it. And now I think about that, but I don't really want to offer that. It's, It's a little strange. The other way that we get this question is, do I give my house guests my bedroom while they're here with me? And the answer is typically no. Typically, a host's master bedroom stays the host's master bedroom. Mm -hmm. There are tons of caveats to that. There might be reasons for why you would put someone, a guest, in your own bed. But a lot of the times, the reason that we suggest this is because it's awkward for the guest to feel like they are moving a host out of their own bedroom even. Yeah, I can understand that. it's like too much. And there are, like we said, tons of things that make this decision different in different families. By the sound of it, for Grateful Daughter, I feel like if she and her husband are okay with the parents sleeping in their actual bed, right. then I say, yeah, clear out the nightstand, make the room comfortable for your folks, set up both rooms, and give your parents the option. Your parents might not be comfortable sleeping in your bed. They might rather sleep in the guest room bed, even though it's smaller. This is just such a, a personal thing that if you're okay with whichever room they stay in, my suggestion would be to offer either room, have both set up and ready, and let your folks stay there all of the nights, even that one night that you're home. So if they choose your bedroom and you're in your guest room for one night, it's so much easier than switching the sheets back and you being in your I mean, it'll be silly for one night and that's it. And then you're up and at school and everything's back to normal. Right. Now, would you call them ahead of time and kind of suggest that or offer it? Or would you wait until the day of when they actually come and they can kind of decide when you're gone. You could do either. If you're truly okay with it, you could call ahead of time and say, hey, mom, I was trying to think about where to put you guys. Both rooms are up for grabs. Do you have a preference? 
And then you know and can just set up that room if you want. Or um, or you could just prepare both rooms and leave it to your parents to choose once they show up. I think I either could work. The former gives you the chance at maybe not having to take care of the other room quite so much. I thought about okay, that. Okay, that's where you were going with it. I was okay. thinking, okay, well, I'm leaving for vacation, so that's one <laughs> more thing I have to do is clean up this other bedroom, my bedroom and this other bedroom, so... Maybe I could talk to him before and just know which one bedroom to fix up. <laughs> Practicality is definitely a factor, <laughs> like where your brain is at with it. <laughs> but what about if the grateful daughter is not comfortable having her parents sleep in her bed? Because that's true. That just happens sometimes. Sometimes you're not comfortable with it. I would think you just you make up the guest room and you let mom and dad know, hey, I've set you up in the guest room. Like there's more sheets and towels or extra blankets if you need anything. And then you just leave it at that. Because, like, I always go too far and I start explaining, like, all the reasons why I'm not giving them my bedroom. And then that just – I, like, shoot myself in the foot with it. Right. And I think offering what you can offer is just what you need to do. You don't need to go beyond that. You can really feel okay. They have offered to come stay with you. They've offered to watch the kids. They're probably, hopefully, going to enjoy being with the grandkids for some time. So the bed is kind of part of that experience. But really, they just want to be there. And and they've made the time to do it. So offering the guest room and knowing that that's okay. And if you're comfortable with it, they'll be comfortable with it, too. Really, really fabulous point, Pooj. Earlier in the show, we were talking cultural differences and regional differences. Do you think this is probably one that really varies family to family? It must vary. Everything varies family to family. So this definitely would. I'm thinking about my own family. I would probably offer... And there's a whole aspect of really respecting one's elders, especially one's parents mm-hmm. within my culture. So I would definitely offer and I would I would kind of listen to them because it is a really personal thing to share your own bed. Yeah. So I would really just respect kind of my parents' feelings on that. Grateful daughter, we hope that gives you some options and that you have a fabulous four nights off on your own with your sweetheart. Our next question was actually called in and is titled, Double Showers, Double Gifts. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. This is listener Desiree. My question is regarding my sister-in-law, who is having two baby showers that are two weeks apart. One is hosted by her mother-in-law, so my in-law's in-law, and the other that is hosted by her girlfriend in her home two weeks after. I'm going to be going to the second shower, not the first. But I want to know, do I need to buy gifts for both of the showers? Any advice you can have would be most helpful. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. How exciting to get a phone call in. (laughs) I know. It's really nice Mm -hmm. hearing our listeners' voices. Yeah. Desiree, thank you so much for the phone call and for the question. This is totally an etiquette classic when it comes to both bridal showers and baby showers, and it is totally fine for you to attend whichever you can or whichever you would like to and to bring a gift to just that party. You might choose to send a note or a card. Some folks do end up sending like a a smaller gift or, you know, just something to commemorate that other shower, but there's no etiquette obligation to do so. You just need to reply to the host and let them know you're not coming. Sounds good. (laughs) 
I know my sister had two showers. She had one just like this, one that was more a friend shower, one that was more a family-based shower. And she was really awesome because uh, she, right from the get-go, told me, hey, would love to have you at both. You don't have to come to either if you can't or don't feel like it. She was just very uh, permissive. Everything was permitted, and she let me know. She just said, you don't have to buy a gift for both. Just do what works for you was her big thing. And it made me feel so confident and comfortable when it came to those showers, which was really, really nice. Yeah, a little bit of communication always goes a long way. Did you guys do multiple showers? We did. We did one with my family and then one with Dan's side of the family here in Vermont and with friends kind of in both places. Were there a lot of people who came to both? No, just my mom, I think, came to both of them. Gotcha. Yeah. So much fun. Dan (laughs) loved getting to open all those gifts. (laughs) That's right. We had a Jack and Jill shower here in Vermont, and I couldn't have done that without him. (laughs) All those little onesies with the little footies on them. Oh, it is a riot opening up all those presents when you're expecting. I hope you enjoyed Desiree and that whichever one you attend, just go and have fun. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our next question is titled, How Much to Host? Hello. Can you advise me on etiquette for house guests and airports? As a host, should I pick up guests from the airport? I always pick up guests, but recently stayed interstate with a friend who left me to take a costly cab to the airport. Is this the norm? Thank you. And I apologize, I did not ask whether your name is pronounced Gillian or Jillian. I'm going to run with Gillian for now. (laughs) I apologize if you are indeed a Jillian. So my take on this is really that it varies from guest and host to guest and host. I think it even varies probably per trip because it's like Mm -hmm. people's availability changes, their options change. Yeah. Right. And if you're really friendly with someone, if you're family, there's kind of different expectations. Yeah. How do you parse that out? (laughs) Yeah. Carefully, right? Yeah. I think that either host or guest could bring it up. I would suggest that as a host, you are the person who knows your city. You are the person who knows your schedule. It is your home that this person is visiting. I think it's really considerate when a host can start off by communicating to the guest what their options are and availability is to do airport pickups or bus drop-offs or train meetups or things like that, um, any kind of transportation. And I think as a guest, you should be prepared that if your flight gets in at an hour that your host cannot come to pick you up at the airport, or maybe your host doesn't own a car, maybe the like 
hour-long train ride to the thing is too much to ask your host to do. To be prepared to get yourself to the location that you need to get to, to get yourself to your host's house. I mean, yep. So yeah. maybe a good go-to could be for the guest to be prepared to take on all the research, to take on the cost. You know, you are choosing to take this trip, so really kind of owning that responsibility,、mm-hmm. not expecting anything, and then for the host. Do what you can to make your guest feel comfortable. Absolutely, and you and I were talking because I had recently had a, a guest come up, and、uh, she wound up using a mode of transportation that I just don't use in Burlington. And I was so, it was like, oh my gosh, that's right. We're so used to our cars. Yeah, you could absolutely take that shuttle. Like that's totally an option. Yeah. Oh gosh, there are buses. I didn't even realize that. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's really important as a host to look around and just think what might be an option、um, if if a car you know isn't available. I know that when I went to stay with Casey, our cousin in Colorado, that he let me know that. He wasn't sure whether his wife was going to be able to meet me at the airport, depending on when my flight got in and when her event ended. So he told me to check in with Satya, but when I my flight landed, and if I didn't hear from her because she wasn't going to be able to like answer if she was still in this event that she was、right. doing,、um, that if I didn't hear from her to go ahead and take the train, which he let me know exactly what the deal was with it. He even let me know the cost of it. I felt really taken care of as a guest. Even though what I was being told was there's a chance I might not be able to pick you up at the airport, and it, I, I felt no、um, lack of hosting coming、mm-hmm. in that experience. Yeah, that bit of preparation and kind of just real transparency about this is what I can do and this is what I can't, and and feeling okay with it. Absolutely. Gillian, we hope that this helps, and that it makes trips where the host isn't able to provide everything just a little more understandable. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates, comments, or feedback on our podcast to awesomeetiquette at emilypost dot com, or leave us a voicemail or text at eight zero two eight five eight kind. That's eight zero two eight five eight five four six three. Or hit us up on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag #AwesomeEtiquette so we know you want your question on the show. Each week, we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And this week, we have three pieces of awesome etiquette. Feedback and the first piece begins. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I just wanted to point out something that caught my ear in episode 179 during the question about the baby shower gifts. The woman who wrote in with the question said, "The entire point of a baby shower is to shower the new mom with gifts." I would like to point out that it doesn't always have to be, and that some guests wouldn't necessarily view it that way. Yes, for some moms, I'm sure that's what it's all about. But for me, in addition to the gifts, I enjoyed being surrounded with people I loved as a sign that they would support me, my child, and my efforts to raise him. I realize this comment doesn't exactly help the mom who wrote in, but I just wanted to put in my two cents. Thanks, Megan. Totally, I think that that feeling is there—the support. Of the family and friends is is really a big part of it too, and I think our question asker was probably focusing more on the gifts because I remember that question was particularly about the types of gifts 
that you could ask for at a baby shower. So that might have been why we were leaving off the sentimental focus a little bit. <laughs> right. And and I think that the name of the event is a baby shower. So the kind of heart of that event is is really about receiving of gifts. And I think that this person really is pointing to the fact that, Megan, that these gifts come in the offering of presents, the offer of support, the offer of actual physical yeah. gifts, and that all of that really is appreciated. So thank you, Megan. That is very wise. And we heard from Hannah, who brings us some good points about wearing gloves at historical balls during formal dancing. And this turned out to be different from the advice that we give in the 18th edition. You want to read it? Sure. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. I just finished listening to episode 180 and was surprised to hear you say that women should remove their gloves when dancing. As a Civil War reenactor... I have the unique privilege of being invited to a few balls each year. This is so cool. At our historical Mm -hmm. balls, the gloves and dancing etiquette is just the opposite. But this is for practicality. All the ladies' silk dresses are so beautiful and costly that it is frowned upon to touch them, as one would while dancing, with ungloved hands. It is worth mentioning, though, that historical dancing is a bit more lively than modern dancing, and one may perspire more than usual, hence the need for gloves. Thanks for an awesome podcast. Best, Hannah. Hannah, I totally have a question for you. So do the gentlemen wear gloves, too? It sounds because like that's. I'm imagining that's what it would have to be, right. and I can picture in my fairy tale Disney dreamland, like yeah, of course everybody wore gloves all the time. I'm like now questioning our book advice, <laughs> and I want to go back and double check to make sure that a it's accurate, and b that 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 was the point we were trying to make. <laughs> oh, good. Well, what helpful feedback! Thank I know. You, no, Hannah. this is why I love having people write in. Mm-hmm. They write in with different experiences that right. make you think, and yeah. I love it. I love it. And Sherry wrote in with some personal perspective about financial contributions coming with condolences. I really loved what she had to say. I did, too. Lizzie and Dan, I'm really excited to write to you. Thank you. In one of the most recent episodes, you discussed whether or not it is appropriate to include a financial gift in a sympathy card. In the tradition in which I was raised, this is not an uncommon occurrence. This perhaps is a regional or cultural protocol which is welcomed. I recall my family receiving many cards where the sender included a love gift. My and, and the love gift was exactly this, a financial contribution. My father passed in October at the age of 93. Several family members and friends shared financial gifts with me. I have never thought it to be an intrusion or felt it to be insulting, nor does it have anything to do with one's financial stability. In fact, I can recall one family that included this love gift in every sympathy card they sent. Though it is not a practice I participate in with every sympathy card that I send, it is one I have chosen to use with some very special individuals in my life. I just thought you'd like to hear another perspective. I really enjoy your podcast. As I interact with family, friends, colleagues, and acquaintances, the words consideration, respect, and honesty resonate with me now more than ever. I think we can all live our best lives when we demonstrate those characteristics Thanks for all the wonderful advice. Best regards, Sherry. 
I loved getting Sherry's feedback. And Sherry, I apologize if your name is actually pronounced Shari. I'm, I'm not quite certain. However, I really loved your feedback. I loved that you, you pick and choose when you do this. And I love that you gave us the perspective that it's not always about financial instability. We do hear quite a lot about how funerals are so costly. Um, and that's really hard for a lot of families to absorb. And so when we originally had this question about financial contributions coming with condolences, we were just wondering, like, how is that received? How does it feel? You know, it's sometimes maybe a little presumptuous. It was kind of interesting. I love hearing it just presented as a love gift and as something that is just you're going through a difficult time. Let me do something to make life a little bit easier. This is a very easy thing to do. And I I love the idea of taking that as a love gift, not as sort of a financial contribution. Yeah, I I hadn't heard of that custom either. And I also think it's a beautiful way to make an offering. I know that around funerals, often people will make food and mm-hmm. offer food and you can only eat so much food at one point in time so <laughs> so a little bit of money could be nice to just get your nails done or to get a massage or to do something that isn't something that you know someone can directly offer like you self-care self-care, self-care. exactly yeah. i love it Thank you for sharing and sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today's Postscript is a therapy session. As the resident psychotherapist, what happened? (laughs) Oh, Pooch! This is one you and I have talked about. We've talked about it on the show. And then I did an interview on it with the Washington Post. Uh And then I got caught in exactly the situation I have advice for, and my own advice did not work. Pooch. Oh, no. Lizzie, what happened? I got hugged. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, you're not a hugger, and you got a hug. I know. I am a hugger. You are a hugger, and you you got a hug. I'm a hugger. You and I hugged when we just, I love Right, but this is not a good hug, it sounds like. It was um, really fascinating. So we've received a number of times on the show Uh the question about hugging etiquette. Yep. Hugs happen, man, and hugs are awesome, Mm -hmm. but they are so prevalent in our culture, which started as a handshake culture, that people are now starting to view hugging as it's so great, but it also is uncomfortable in certain situations. Sure. I we we hear it all the time and we want people to feel comfortable um you know with ad- advocating for their body boundaries. 
Right. And hugs, man, are like full body presses against each other. And, you know, there's butt out hugs and there's like, you know, kind of like not close in hugs. You do the shoulder pats like, right, there's side hugs, right, that happen. There's all these different hugs we do. But it's it's a much bigger breaking of physical boundaries than a handshake is or mm-hmm. even a high five or a fist bump or something like that. And I really, truly believe in the advice that Dan and I give, which is, If you see someone going in for a hug, you stick your hand out, you create a physical barrier, they can't get in for that hug, they go for the handshake. This is so true. This works. However, I got totally stumped. I would, in Portland, I would reach out, and bear in mind, I'm on a business trip in Portland, so I'm in business mindset. I was staying with a friend, though, so a lot of the folks I was meeting were probably thinking, oh, this is Dawn's friend, no big deal, you know what I mean? And and Portland's a fairly huggy place, too. Yeah. Um, But sure enough, like, I would stick my hand out for the handshake, and I would get, they would look at the handshake, and then shake my hand, and then we'd release, and I'd think, okay, I'm in the clear. (laughs) And you know what they would do next? They would say, I'm actually a hugger. And I get fully <laughs> oh, embraced. No. Like, And I'm talking oh. full body presses. Like, not just like, oh. you know, not not those shoulder taps or side hugs. Could you feel your anxiety level increase when, when that happened? Two different things. Number one, because I am a hugger, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, hugs are nice. <laughs> oh, good. Like, and and. Okay, as we all know, I'm totally an energy person. And I you can really feel the transfer of energy from heart to heart. And it's it's a really beautiful thing. So when I would end up in a hug, I would try to go immediately to positive places of thinking that. But the irony in my head of the fact that we give the advice and that I try to use the advice and the advice gets like completely nullified yeah. doesn't work cracked me up. I was dying to talk about this with you. Dan thought you and I should talk about this together. I had done an interview with the Washington Post that actually got some decent play out there on hugging etiquette. And we talked about even these tactics that I've employed that didn't work. Um, But it's the idea that it's such a friendly gesture. It seems incredibly rude to stop it midway Mm -hmm. and tell someone, no, please don't hug me. Mm -hmm. And yet, it's also really important that we feel confident about our boundaries and our boundaries being respected. Mm-hmm. And it's it's great that the people who would say to me, well, I'm a hugger, are confident telling me their preference. But when it comes to, to fully embracing someone, I feel like it's okay for the other person to say, sorry, I'm not. Or, or oh, I'll, I'll get a hug from you at the end when we part. Or just something I'm blown away at the railroading, the like steamrolling, the the yeah. just push through to to go to that embrace and not picking up on the cue that the other person isn't looking for that yet. Right. And I think that you did try your best. You stuck your hand out for a handshake and it just didn't work. So I think right now we're we're working on a, a next level of <laughs> of interrupting the hug. I just want to say that I agree with you that that our bodies, our our personal spaces are really our own. And so somebody else asking or saying that they're interested in a hug means that that is on their side. But that doesn't mean that somebody else, that that person is going to consent. It it really is an issue of consent. (laughs) Like, would you take a step backwards? Well, I love hugs, so I'd probably be down with it. But if I wasn't, I would say maybe something like, that's awesome, but I'm actually not feeling like a hug right now. I like that. I like the positive approach to 
respecting that this other person has identified as a hugger, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Like, yeah, I'm a hugger. That's awesome. I'm not feeling it right now. Because they're probably mm-hmm. excited yeah. about hugging you. And so you don't <laughs> – that's the awkwardness is like, wow, this force of huggy love is coming towards me. How do I deflect it in a kind way and not hurt their feelings? So I think recognizing this is their language, yeah. their language of expressing love to me right now. And so saying yeah. – appreciating that. That's yeah. that's great. I'm, I'm happy you are. But I'm not in that place right now. <laughs> and that's honoring my boundaries. And, and that's really what's important because – if you're hugging someone, if your body's doing something that you're not comfortable with, yeah. it's not good for you or the other person. Yeah. This became such a joke uh, among the folks I was staying with because then when everybody came to like throughout the two weeks that I was in Portland. Uh-huh. Um, by the way, I also want to just take a moment to give a shout out to our listener Maureen in Oregon. Maureen, I totally thought of you while I was in Oregon. I was sending out vibes <laughs> for all of your wonderful voicemails that you leave us. And um, Maureen listens to the show regularly and has been so considerate about like writing in, calling in, giving us feedback. It's been awesome. So I was definitely thinking of you out there, Maureen. Um, but it did become like a thing. Like we were watching who was who was going to try for a hug, who would end up with a handshake. Like I felt like it became like a two week experiment on hugging and then ironically one of the portland papers picked up the hugging story so after we had just all been through it my friend's boyfriend went home to his parents house and they were like oh look that friend of your girlfriend's is in the paper and literally the hugging thing had just happened between the two of us he had gone in for a hug and i went in for a handshake and i was like i was like sorry i usually do a handshake when i don't know someone yet and like and that was like my you know that worked in that moment but it was kind of a stupid moment to apply in because it was my friend's boyfriend and like he would have been a fine person to hug and we were very huggy by the end but (laughs) it just it did the the one that got me we were out um listening to some house music for the night like having a really fun time and that was the one where the person i did the whole handshake and everything and then the person said i'm more of a hugger (laughs) he actually gave a really great hug so it's like i'm glad we went for it but it did it did feel awkward it it made me laugh at just how hard it was to refuse a hug and to feel okay about it. And yet, you know, it's it's a reality of your whole body being up against someone. And you're right. Sometimes you don't have the energy for that. Sometimes you don't don't have the mental space for it. And I'm really excited to develop better ways to communicate that to people. But I've liked what you've given me so far for sample language as that's awesome. I'm not feeling a hug right now or I'm not feeling huggy right now is like a another way to go. You know that Dan and I suggest not white lying. I'm guessing from a therapy perspective as well, you would not suggest lying and being like, oh, I have a broken rib or oh, I'm like, yeah. I have a cold. <laughs> you can shake my hand, but don't hug me. Like, Yeah. I mean, if you can just just be honest and say you're not feeling like hugging. Yeah. That should I, th- I would think that would be understandable. It, it would be quite the thing if someone had heard that and still went in for a hug and maybe that would be okay afterwards like you know with this experience that you just had yeah you said oh actually it was really great to have that hug but hopefully that's the case but you know what it's it's that's really not appropriate for someone (laughs) to go in for a hug and wrap their arms around you once you've said you don't want to hug it seems so silly to be putting up boundaries around hugs and yet I, the point that I made in the article was that if we were really okay with it, 
If it really was completely innocent and everyone felt fine with it, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. People wouldn't write into the podcast saying, I don't love this. How do I stop it from happening? And I think that's one of the big differences to recognize is that, you know, handshakes, high fives, even just just like the the kind of head nod of, of acknowledgement, because back in the day, ladies didn't shake hands. So we, we've had even boundaries around handshakes, which is physical touching on such a minor level. Level, but it's like there. Um, it was it was really interesting to think that if we were really one hundred percent down with hugs as a greeting, we just would we'd be down with it. It wouldn't feel awkward, right? Right. Yeah. But the truth is, as a group, as a society, we aren't. Everybody's different, and every day is different. So sometimes you're feeling like a hug, and sometimes you're not. And and again, I really want to bring it back to consent. It, it is in this era of of me too and being a mother um being a woman of color it's there's a lot of power dynamics that are in play there's just a lot of unspoken things that are happening and so being honest and fierce enough to be able to verbalize that you don't want a hug is very empowering and maybe after the conversation or the tea or whatever the interaction is you want a hug and then that feels okay because you want it but but really just being okay with who you are, where you are, and letting other people know makes the other person feel okay. So if if you're just not feeling hug, I'm not feeling it. That's I'm glad you're a hugger. I'm just not feeling it. Let's get maybe whatever. later. Yeah, maybe <laughs> later we can hug. You know, and and actually, as a parent, this comes up because a lot of parents, and I really respect this, are trying to teach their kids about consent and about their bodies being their own. Mm-hmm. And so... And even just about greetings. And greetings, so here you've got yes. both of those happening at once. Yeah. And so you're teaching kids how do you greet people. And if it's grandma and she wants a big kiss and, and a hug and maybe you're not feeling it, actually kind of a newer way of thinking and teaching this is is helping the kid to say, you know, I'm not, I'm not feeling a hug. And even just... First questioning, for the kid to question, do I want a hug? And and to take that moment and check in with yeah. oneself and to learn that as a young person that I can know what I want and don't want and I can express that and that that's supported. And that that can change moment to moment because mm-hmm. I am quite certain that little Miss Nishi gets just gobbled up with hugs at home all the time. Right. And so there is that association with it being completely appropriate, safe, desired, expected. And as we move into other realms, preschool, school, just at the grocery store, meeting people who know us that we don't know, right. little kids, their levels are going to vary on whether they're okay with that hug. And we see them do this naturally. You know, you say, yeah. oh, Nishi, go say hi. And she tucks behind your leg. And like, that's, yeah, <laughs> she's exercising her consent right then and there, which is awesome. But exactly, I love the idea of pointing it out that with hugs, you know, it's up to you, kid. It's yep. totally up to you. Yep. Exactly. Pooja, thank you. I needed this session with you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're welcome. And I'm glad to put it out there to kind of the bigger, awesome etiquette world. Yeah, no, we would love more thoughts on hugging. More thoughts, if you are a hugger, on how it would feel okay to have your hug rejected. I would love that because we really are trying to get good language, good things for folks to use so that you can feel confident no matter what side of the equation you're on. I don't want any more emotional upsets if I can help it. Sounds as if you're learning to keep your emotions in balance. 
Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today we have two salutes, and they come from back around Thanksgiving. The first one goes... Lizzie and Dan, we're nearly to Thanksgiving, and I'm finally getting to send my etiquette salute about Halloween. I live in a subdivision of about 100 houses with a lot of families with trick-or-treating aged kids. With Halloween following on a school night this year, getting the little ones fed and in their costumes and out the door, then around the neighborhood and back home again can be tough. This year, one of my neighbors decided not to hand out any candy. Instead, he took the day off work and spent the day smoking enough pork to be able to hand out sandwiches to the kids and their parents as they were out. I live a few houses away and saw many people trick-or-treating sandwich in hand. It was a great idea and a generous gesture. Mandy R. It's so funny because when I first read Mandy's salute, immediately my brain went to like, ah, no, it's not packaged food. Oh, you have to. And it's like, Lizzie, this is their neighbor. They know this guy. If they don't know him, they won't go get a sandwich. Keep it simple, girl. (laughs) So that was my... (laughs) <laughs> my like my brain being saved. But Mandy, thank you so much for uh for writing in and what a great observation by your neighbor to realize that this might be something that's really welcome on a night where folks are doing things right around dinner time. Mm-hmm. Our next salute begins. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. I'm a social worker and I work with individuals with intellectual disabilities by helping connect them to valuable services in our community, including individuals that live in group homes. A lot of these folks don't have family members to spend the holidays with because they've been in institutional settings their entire lives. Their families live in other states. Their families have died or have chosen not to keep in contact. I wanted to give a heartfelt shout out to all of the direct service professionals or DSPs that sacrifice time with their own families to celebrate with and care for those who live in residential settings. DSPs are the cornerstone of care providers and deserve so much more credit and recognition than they are given. I am thankful that the individuals I serve will get to experience the joy of inclusion, love, and togetherness during the holidays by spending it with dedicated staff that have become like family to those who are most vulnerable in our communities. Thank you, DSPs, for all that you do year-round, but especially this time of year. I'm also thankful for Awesome Etiquette for keeping me company during my long commutes. Thank you for spreading honesty, kindness, and consideration in a world that so desperately needs it. Laura. Laura, what a beautiful shout-out to the DSPs. I hadn't really thought about these professionals almost taking the place of family yeah. for so many people who are vulnerable and who who need extra help. Yeah. Um, and a lot of these folks can't come to the DSP's home for Thanksgiving. Yeah. So it's really impressive that the DSPs find ways to spend time with their families, but also go spend time with other folks who could really use the company. Wow. That's yeah. amazing.
That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for everyone who sent us something. And thank you, Pooja, for guest hosting in your husband's absence. It was my pleasure. <laughs> you can send us questions, comments, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. By phone, leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, Dan's at Daniel underscore post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. That's Lizzie with an I-E. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. And please help us out and consider becoming a sustaining member of the Awesome Etiquette podcast or choose to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and please consider leaving us a review. And our show is edited by Chris Albertine. Thanks, Chris. <laughs>